What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Evergreen Real Estate Investment Podcast. On this episode, I'll be answering a few questions that you guys have submitted. Hopefully, I can give you some good insight and help you solve a problem that you have. Let's get into it. All right. So the first question I've got here is from Christopher Drew, an investor in Florida. What to do about mortgage rates negatively impacting cash flow? I'm a beginner real estate investor doing all the learning, reading, and mock deal analysis that I can before I'm able to locate a cash flowing duplex in my target market and purchase my first property. I plan to live in one unit and rent out the other. As I scan the MLS and analyze potential deals based on current market prices and expenses, it seems that the major factor preventing nearly every property I analyze from cash flowing is the mortgage rate. I plan on putting down 20% into my aspirational duplex and having around 10% or so above the down payment and cash reserves for unknown expenses, maintenance, emergencies, etc. With mortgage rates being as high as they are, 7 plus percent, at the moment, it seems like a true needle in the haystack situation to find a property that will cash flow in my area, Central Florida. All right, so this is a pretty big issue that a lot of investors are dealing with right now. We are just starting to see interest rates rise um, across the board here on you know fixed 30-year loans. Um, I'm recording this at the end of October and things are just starting to pile up where houses are sitting and uh, price drops are becoming effective. Um, it's, it's, it's really hard to get houses to cash flow when we haven't really had the market compensate for what interest rates have done. Affordability, it, it all goes hand in hand. Interest rates go down, prices go up, prices go up, interest rates are down typically if that happens. Um, just give an overall example. If you're a buyer, you're looking to buy a house and you can only afford to spend $1,500 per month, you can either buy a $400,000 house at a 1.5% interest rate or a $200,000 house at a 7% interest rate. That's how it works. Your payment's going to be still $1,500. My philosophy is I really don't care about what the rate is right now because that's going to change. Um, a lot of people say you marry the purchase price, you date the rate. You can always change your interest rate if rates go down, if rates go up, whatever. Um, I don't pay a ton of attention to the interest rate when buying a property. I'm really focused on the purchase price. Look at things like replacement cost, um, price per square foot based on new builds, how the house is keeping its value, all the other inherent factors that the house has to offer um, besides that interest rate. So you've got to get creative in this market if you if you need to um if you need to, to cash flow right now and it is tough. So my, my suggestion to this person would be, you know, how many offers have you submitted? Um, if you're really looking for a deal and you can't find anything on the MLS, uh, start taking a stab at stuff, start writing offers. Um, there's nothing wrong with writing an offer, um, at a reasonable price, you know, a lower price you find out, do run the numbers. If the house is going to rent for $2,000 and you need to cash flow, you know, $500 based on what you want your ROI to be. Just look at what that looks like. You know, Hey, if it's up for 400,000 and it only makes sense for you to buy it at 300, submit an offer at 300. It doesn't hurt to try, 
but you've got to keep taking a stab at these things or you're never going to get an offer. Offers, deals don't just fall into people's laps. You have to go and get it and you have to be creative. So if that means removing all loan contingencies and all inspection contingencies, but getting a killer deal on it, fine, that works. Um, it's really funny. There's a lot of people that are really nervous and afraid of these interest rate hikes that are happening right now. The only thing I would be weary on is now that interest rates have risen, not getting a good deal on the purchase price. Now it is arbitrary. A good deal to one person can be a bad deal to the other. And all this being said, I've seen people buy a great deal in an amazing booming market. I've seen people buy a bad deal in a bad market. It can still happen. Um, Even in 08, when real estate prices were crazy low and you could buy houses for pennies on the dollar, people were out there still buying quote unquote bad deals. It's, it's not like when the market goes down, everything's a good deal. It's just not how it happens. So my philosophy with these interest rates are, let's say your, your numbers have been ran at 3% for the last two years, because that's what they've been. And now your interest is doubled. So your payments a lot higher and your perspective is shifted. Uh, mortgages are a lot more. You can't find the cash flow. Let's just look at what can happen in the future. Okay. There's, there's two options. Interest rates can go further down or they can go higher up. So if you buy a house right now at a 7% interest rate, if in the future interest rates go down, refinance, get a lower rate and get more cash flow. If in the future interest rates go up, then okay, great. You have a good low rate because you locked yourself in now. It's really a win-win If you buy right, I'm not saying that this is a time that I would be a little bit more weary on negative cash flow. I would, I would really spend more time trying to get that purchase price down to make those scales tip to allow you a little bit of buffer for cash flow. In my opinion, wealth is not built through cash flow. Cash flow keeps the property alive and well and running, and it can feed your machine slowly and slowly. Um, but I, I really don't invest for the cash flow to live off of, and that's not my end goal. Um, the amount of appreciation that I've seen and equity that I've built into the properties that I've purchased, those are real numbers. Those are the big tangible wealth building numbers. Uh, you don't get rich off of $200 a month, each side of a duplex. It just doesn't get there. You get rich when 20 years later, you sell that duplex for 600,000 more dollars than what you bought it for. That's, that's how that wealth is created. Now, if you get a screaming deal and you're making 2000 bucks a month cash flow, and, and the more you build and build that will happen. That's awesome. That's killer. That's icing on the cake, but don't, don't, don't count a hundred percent on that. Use that cash flow to really be an insurance policy for that property so that you can make sure that you don't lose it. If someone doesn't pay rent or you have a squatter or someone destroys the house that just keeps that machine going. That being said in this market, because of what we've seen recently, you cannot bet that prices are going to go up and appreciation is going to kick in anytime in the next two to three years. Um, I think it's safe to be conservative right now, a little bit closer to the chest. And that just means you're not going out and buying anything that you can get your hands on because it's appreciating 10% per year. That's not the strategy to go for. It is harder 
to find deals right now that cash flow, but I would not take negative cash flow in hopes of appreciation later. Um, I would just really focus on the buy, try and get 10, 15%, 20% cash flow to keep it alive and moving. And then you're going to be happy in 10, 15, 20 years. Any deal that you buy right now, you're going to be happy with in 20 years. I can guarantee that. Um, I hear the story over and over and over. If I wouldn't have sold that first house that I bought, I would have had this. If I didn't do it's, it's real estate's going to continue to go up. There's a housing shortage that really isn't getting better anytime soon based on builder sentiment and things that we've seen in the market. So I would just ensure a hundred percent that the deal that I bought cash flowed day one, just enough to keep me safe. If you need a home run to set you up for your investing journey and, and you really need that big payday to kind of kickstart your portfolio, then you're probably going to have to look at a big uh, rehab or a big value add to kind of get that fire started. I don't think that retail sales on the MLS are going to give you that big bump that you read about in blogs and on other podcasts of guys who bought houses on the MLS for a hundred thousand and they were worth 200,000 the next day. I, I don't think that's realistic right now. I would just keep it close to the chest and get creative on those deals. If you can do short-term rentals instead to increase cash flow, if you can do, you know, some bridge rentals, some like semi-long-term month-to-month stuff with traveling nurses or uh, school transitioning housing stuff, uh, that's that's a better way to get cash flow. Uh, but I really think that your worst-case scenario needs to be a long-term tenant at just below market rent. Um, that needs to be your baseline. So in my opinion, if you're having a hard time finding deals with these interest rates, either be okay, not making a million dollars in cash flow the first year that say it'll get fruitful in five, six, seven years. Um, or, you know, just start submitting offers, just start going for it and find that deal. Um, you know, a lot of the deals that are out there right now are not found. They're not put in the, you know, palm of your hand. You've got to create them in terms of value adding, um, you know, buying a house, building an ADU, converting the garage into a separate unit to rent out. Uh, there's, there's things that you have to do in this market right now to force yourself to be successful. It's not going to fall in your lap right now. All right. So question number two comes from David Gager, air DNA accuracy on projected rental income. How accurate has everyone found air DNA to be? I purchased the service to analyze properties in a beach town in North Carolina. I ran the rentalizer and it came up with a projected number that made the deal work. I then called a local rental company to have them run the numbers on what they thought the property would generate in rental income. That number was about $20,000 less than what AirDNA projected. The $20,000 less kills the deal for me. Any help is greatly appreciated. Thanks. So for those of you that don't know, uh, AirDNA is a service that you can buy to give you data and analytics on short-term rentals in almost any market in the United States. It's an aggregate collection of all the data in a certain market kind of pulled together based on how many bedrooms, location, and it's it's put into an algorithm to spit out a projected income number, expense number, and so on. These services were created to just get a baseline of 
you know, data and analytics. It, it's not set in stone. It's just a compilation of a bunch of numbers put together in an algorithm to spit out something to show you. That's it. Sometimes it makes sense and it's awesome, but you cannot count on these numbers whatsoever. This program is not diving into the market, looking at all the fixtures and finishes of each property, seeing what does better, the exact neighborhood side of the street location, what view the property has. It's just, it's not compiling those factors. So it's giving you a good baseline on, on what you can expect, but there is, you can buy one property in Sarasota, Florida that you put, you know, pinball machines and every game in the world and you make it the coolest place ever, it's going to rent more than the place that has 75 year old furniture and no fixtures or anything like it. it, It's just arbitrary. Um, So it doesn't take in account for any of that. I would trust a local property manager over any website there is. They're plugged into the market and it's their job to be right. If you work with them, and they're off by 10, 20, 30%. That's a problem. I mean, there's nothing that you can do about it, but they, they want to cover their butt. They want to give you accurate information um, because it's, it's, it's their reputation and their word on the line. Um, if I was you, I would just go in and do all the due diligence myself because even asking a local property manager, you never know if they have an agenda to lock up more you know, management fees and, and they usually get 10 to 30% for short-term property management. So that's a good chunk of change. And and people are definitely motivated to skew you in a way in which you give them their business. So just do all of the due diligence yourself. That's what your job is as a real estate investor anyway. In one hour, if you really see a property that that you think makes sense for you and you're going to buy it, you're going to probably spend 10s, 20s, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on this property. So spend a couple hours and go over it yourself and do all the due diligence. You have to, um, if you really want to protect yourself, you cannot rely on a program or some random person, um, locally to tell you what you're going to make. I have emailed other Airbnb hosts in the neighborhood that I've been looking at purchasing an Airbnb in asking them, Hey, how busy are you? What do you see? What kind of trends go into their calendars, find a house that looks like yours in a similar location, similar size, similar bedroom count, and go and look at what their calendar is. Are they booked way out? If you wanted to book in two weeks, can you, if you wanted to book in one week, can you, how much are you going to pay? You know, how much of that Airbnb is blocked out for personal use? Um, How, you know, how many different uh, configurations does it have for beds and cots? And how many people can it sleep? Uh, You know, is there a view? Is there functional obsolescence? Does the house not make any sense? Um, You know, you have to look at all these factors, put it all in a big bowl and mix it up and and get your answer for yourself. it literally, it, it's it's really hard to analyze short-term rentals because of how many factors go into it. Um, it's how many, you know, how many short-term rentals you're fighting with, you know? You got to look at what's what's really booked out. What are people interested in? Is there one house that's a converted shipping container that's ultra-modern and that's what everyone wants? You know, like you you have to see what what people are after and what's getting booked out. And you have to model yourself after that because if anything were to happen, 
market goes down, the economy goes down and people aren't traveling as much, you're going to want to be in the top 10% of rented properties in that area, or you're going to get a hit. Um, in a good market, everyone's making money. When everything was gangbusters at the end of COVID, yeah, you could buy a tiny house and throw three pieces of furniture in it and rent it for 200 bucks a day. And you were getting it. Everything was crazy. Everyone had money. They were getting checks from the government. Everything was awesome. And right now things are getting a little bit tighter. So you have to fight for your spot in the market. Um, I mean, just really to go back to it, that's my answer. Just do your own due diligence and, and do a lot of it. Um, if you need any help, you know, you can reach out to me directly, uh, Jake Myers on Instagram. I'm happy to help you walk through kind of how to do that, that evaluation on a short-term rental to cover your bases and how to get a hold of the city to look at regulations and what you can do, what you can't do. Um, I would hate for someone to buy a short-term rental and uh, project a cash flow number that doesn't make the mark and you end up losing money. Uh, that's not fun for anybody. So, um, all right. On to the next question. Um, Micah Moore just says, is this a good rental property? I have acquired my first rental property. I'm wondering if this is a good deal and if the numbers are profitable or if I should invest somewhere else. Dang, dude, you already bought it and you're asking if it's a good deal. Ay, ay, ay. I hope it is. It's a single family house. A 3-2, thousand square feet, bought it for 160K cash, no mortgage. South Texas, San Antonio area, high taxes, high insurance. Um, here are the numbers for it. Uh, he's got the rents at 1600 bucks per month. Um, property management fee, 160. Taxes are 333. And insurance is 167 per month. Uh, there's no other expenses that I have some repairs and vacancies. Um, haven't been too bad. Is this a good deal? All right. So to start off, you paid cash. So $160,000 invested. You've got 160 property management, uh, 333 taxes, insurance 167. Uh, that is $7,920 per year. Um, with $1,600 a month in rent is $19,200 per year. Uh, so all of your gross rent with expenses subtracted, uh, you're looking at $11,280, um, which is a 7% return on investment. Um, that's a base hit. For sure. 7% is good. Nothing wrong with that. The only thing I don't like about this is there are no repairs or vacancies factored in this calculation. I'd say you got to put at least 10% in there for repairs and maintenance. Um, I put another couple thousand bucks a year in there at least uh, with it being 1600. I'd probably go 3000 a year for um vacancies and maintenance just because something's going to happen. No one ever thinks that they're someone's going to move out and they're going to have a gap in rent and they never think that the dishwasher is going to go out. Um, so I'd put 3000 a year in there just to be safe. That'd probably bring you around a 6% return. It's a base hit. It's definitely good. Um, I just, ne I never really like cash for a property um, to tie up 160,000 for you know, that cash flow is, is, is 
not the best. I would I would be more apt to if you have the 160 to buy five of those houses um, to spread the love a little bit so that you get more of the other benefits that come with owning real estate, like depreciation, all the tax benefits, um, depreciation, appreciation, and uh, the equity and loan pay down, I just think is going to help you out a lot in this scenario. Um, it's a base hit for sure. Not, not bad at all. I like to look about 12 to 15% is it is a good deal that I'll pull a trigger on. I want to see that ROI. And that's really after everything's been calculated. Um, no holes in the, in the budget for, for any maintenance or anything like that. Even if I do a full gut rehab, I know things are going to happen when the tenant moves out. I'm going to have to turn some paint, some drywall repair, maybe a door or something like that. That stuff just happens and it, and it does add up and it'll kill your cash flow if you don't pay attention. So overall, not a bad deal at all. I would suggest maybe refinancing that thing, pulling some cash out and, uh, buying more real estate, unless you have a million bucks and you can buy five, 10 of these $160,000 houses. I'd pull that cash out and, and start using it to buy some more properties so that you can spread the love and, and, uh, uh, make some more, some more wealth down the road. All right. One last question here. This comes from Jennifer Shen. She writes, what are your thoughts about turnkey investing? I'm currently looking for my first investment property. It seems to me that turnkey properties will be the fastest way to get my portfolio started. I'm wondering, what are your thoughts on turnkey properties? Are the numbers that the companies give you reliable? Monthly cash flow? What are some ways to find a reputable, trustworthy turnkey company? All right. So for those of you that are not aware of turnkey companies, they're companies that buy a distressed house, fix it up, get a tenant inside, and then they sell it as a packaged deal. Just an investment that's ready to go. It's a machine with the wheels off the ground. It's, it's, it's good to go. It's got a tenant in it, it's cash flowing, and they project all of the numbers for you. Um, you can typically trust a turnkey company's numbers because it's actively rented, and they're usually the property manager as well. So if the property manager says, it's renting for a thousand bucks. You have to trust that it's renting for a thousand bucks because if it's not, um, then you have a huge problem that just straight up lying the company that you're using. Um, so the only thing that I'm worried about is that they float some of these numbers with mortgages. They say, Oh, 20% down your mortgage is a thousand dollars. This is renting for 500. So you're cash flowing $500 when they don't take in it expenses like vacancy maintenance, um, all the other things that come with owning a property. They just give you the cut and dry cash flow, And a lot of times too, to pad themselves a little more, they don't even put the taxes or insurance in it. They just say, here's your principal and here's your interest payment. That's what it is. And here's what the cash flow that you have left over. And um, it looks all sweet and makes you want to pull the trigger quick. But uh, uh, just double check. And again, just like, you know, the question before, you have to do your own due diligence. You, you really have to. Uh, you cannot trust anyone because nobody cares more about the deal than the person who is going to be owning it. That's it. Like that, that's, that's the only thing you need to, to worry about is just saving yourself from any headache or misinformation. 
So run the deal, look at the numbers, call a different property management company, give them the address, see what they think it'll rent for. You know, did they get some HUD tenant in for a good deal that's a short-term thing and uh, they can technically post that it's making 1500 bucks a month when the market allows 1000 and when that person moves out, you're not going to get 1500 Things like that happen. So uh, just cover all your bases and do, do all of the investigation that you can. Uh, my philosophy with turnkey properties is it's great if you want to jumpstart your portfolio and you're just antsy and want to get a deal done. My only... The only thing I'm weary about is, is in here, she says that, you know, it's a good way to get her portfolio started now. Just sounded like you're a little eager, which is awesome. But when you do get a little bit antsy, you can, you can make decisions based on wanting to do this thing that you've been thinking about for so long and studying for so long and talking to so many people about, you just want to do it at this point. You've analyzed so many deals. You don't even care. You just want to be able to call yourself a real estate investor and you want to buy a deal. Um, that's how you get in trouble. Be patient, look for a good deal, take a stab at it. When it arises, when the opportunity comes, uh, you got to jump on it. Um, they're definitely good deals that come out of turnkey companies. It's just, it's usually full retail. So at that point, why not just go on the MLS and buy a house and rent it out? You know, it's, you're not getting any equity in the property. The, the company has already fixed it up and juiced all the equity out of it. They're selling it for full retail. Um, they just throw a renter in it and act like it's something special. So if you have the time and the resources, I would just do what they are doing where you're finding a deal. You're going to rehab it. You get a tenant in it and there you go. You built in your own equity and you know, you've got a tenant and you're making more cash flow. You get that benefit. So with turnkey properties, you're sacrificing the equity that you're going to build into it by rehabbing it. And you're sacrificing that for the simplicity of clicking a button and going and buying a deal. Um, if the numbers make sense, go for it. And everyone's in different positions. If you have a good W2 income and you're super busy and you just want to plug away and buy some, some base hits and just keep stacking them up. There's nothing wrong with that. Keep going. Um, it's awesome. But for the people that are just starting out that kind of need to maximize the cash that they have, get the biggest return so that they can snowball that into more and more deals in the future. You do not want to tie up all of your money into a deal that, uh, uh, is just barely a base hit just to call yourself an investor. Um, you'll really want to just take the time and it is tough. Um, especially when you spend so much time thinking about it, dreaming about it, studying it, um, evaluating deals all day. I, I get it. I've definitely been there and I've, I've had some gaps in my investing career and, um, it's not fun. I get to a certain point and I'm like, I'm going to, freak out if I don't buy something soon because my money's just sitting here and I need to put it to work. Um, so I do get that. And honestly, there's, there's really just no right or wrong answer here. Um, it's just different ways of doing it. You know, there, there's so many different avenues and, and things you can do in this industry that you'll never, you'll never know, you know, if it was the right or wrong decision until probably 10 years later. Um, and in real estate, it sends tends to always be the right decision 10 years later uh, because you're going to make money on it. So if you can sustain it and you don't have the time and that's the easy way to go, you just want to rock and roll and, and take a deal down, 
then jump on it. If you want to maximize the equity and and have a little bit more time to kind of nurture a deal and get as much out of it, then go find something on your own. Get a real estate agent, go find a house that needs some work, get some contacts for some contractors and things like that. Get the house rehabbed and call a property management company to get a renter in there. Hopefully there's more of an upside in doing that, especially taking the time to manage the entire project and find the deal yourself. It usually ends up being quite a bit more fruitful than just kind of plucking one off the tree. Um, So I guess that concludes my questions for today. If you want a question of yours answered on the show, you can send me a direct message on Instagram at Jake Myers. I'd be happy to answer any real estate or finance related questions that you have. Until next time. Keep investing. Whoa.